The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair, the Truman Show. On the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's a beautiful day outside. This, of course, uh, everybody knows that uh, we've uh, got a short time left. Uh, two weeks and one day. Good morning. I believe that's right. Good morning. Greg Good morning. Tucker. Uh, it, this is your show today. <coughs> and uh, I... Mondays is always your show, but we've only how many more we've got left? Well, let's see. I know you're on your grand f- uh, farewell tour, and uh, we will be together next Monday, mm-hmm. and that's it for me. Oh wow, that doesn't seem possible. After 11 years, yeah, I'll sleep in on Monday morning. <laughs> we we have had exciting times uh, since we've been on. The guests have been remarkable. And we have a, um, you have a guest on today on your show. Oh, are you talking about uh, extraordinary times? I was thinking as I came in today how Truman has sh- shown up every day of the week for 11 years. 11 and, years. And then I remembered one day you didn't. And we've mentioned it before, but I'm driving in. We were that time doing the show down at the studio. Mm-hmm. And you called me and said you're I was on in your, the car. You were in the car, but uh, one of your sons was driving, taking you to the hospital because you were having a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Well, it wasn't a big deal. No, it wasn't (laughs) a big deal. Uh, The the least important thing was I I realized I'd have to carry the show by myself. Uh, That's what I was worried about. Yeah, I see that you were. Yeah. I remember you were. Uh, But uh, you don't get many calls personal calls from somebody having a heart attack yeah. on the way to the hospital but uh, you yeah. have you have had an extraordinary run and I know there's a lot of people that uh, appreciate that in fact uh, happy Valentine's Day yeah I've got two Valentine hearts here yeah, apparently. and nobody will tell me who put them here yeah well apparently some people around here think well of you over here at Adams Place I like it be mine forever that's now, good, isn't that nice? That's a good sentiment. But I'm not going to be here forever. I've got about two weeks, and then they, I, I am gone. Are they edible? They are edible. All right. You, you can eat them also. They they look like a cookie, but uh, all right. You know, uh, well, I do have one Valentine's Day story. All right. You want me to share that with you? This is, I believe it's in my second book, but uh, when I saw Valentine's Day, I remembered Spy Kerr. Now, when I wrote about Spike Kerr, I enjoy that because I like to write about people who are native of Rutherford County who are just a little bit different, not famous, not anybody you'll find on Google necessarily. Spike Kerr was a man, right? Spike Kerr was a native raised in Halls Hill. He was part of the very prominent Kerr family. Now, this is Valentine's, and you're bringing up a man... That's right. And There's just something doesn't compute about that. Well, he's a good story. All right. He's a good story. His nickname was Spy, and I can't even tell you his first name because everybody knew him and remembers him as Spy. Mm-hmm. He got that name. His, his daddy started calling him Spy, and uh, it was picked up from the Mutt and Jeff comic strip. Mm-hmm. Back in the 1920s, there was a character there named Spy. Mm-hmm. I don't know who or what he was. So he was Spy Kerr. And uh, particularly for Hall Hill, he was precocious. 
Uh, he became a very uh, aggressive reader when he was in about fourth grade, mm-hmm. read everything. You'd have to call him a dreamer because he read back in, I think, when he was about seven, eight years old, Call of the Wild by Jack Ooh, London. That's a great And book. decided at that time that he was going to go to Alaska and be on the frontier <laughs> and and cope with the challenges of the frontier. And uh, I think, in, in general, he was anxious to do a lot of traveling because mm-hmm. he heard a song on the radio. And those that remember him back in those those days said he was always humming harbor lights. Oh. I see those harbor lights. Yeah. And, you know, that appealed to him as, as travel. But when he was in the sixth grade at Halls Hill, outstanding primary level student, the teacher advised that uh, they were going to have a Valentine's Day party. And everybody was to make their Valentines from scratch, supplying paper and paste and colors and what have you. Mm-hmm. And Spy really was enthusiastic. He went to work and handmade more Valentines than anybody else in the class. And then addressed them all. and. Uh, the end of the day before the party they put them all in the mailbox that had been rigged up next day they distributed all the valentines spy got more valentines than anybody yeah and uh, when it was all done and distributed somebody noticed that he had addressed every one of his valentines to himself <laughs> my kind sure. of guy make <clears throat> sure he did make it to alaska interesting but uh in world war ii he went into the service ended up in naval intelligence was his service assignment he wrote home to everybody and says i sure would enjoy getting mail and news from home but please don't use my nickname it's a little uneasy about naval intelligence getting letters addressed as spy Uh, he came home from the service and wasn't sure which way he wanted to go what to do so he hung around his daddy's store his father ran the halls i remember it store yeah. after in those years right after the war mm-hmm. and there was a handful of uh loafers that would hang around the store as you would expect around the around the stove and you know, one day spy uh in a lull in the conversation looked around and saw his daddy's shotgun leaning in the corner which was not uncommon uh and he just reached over and picked it up and was fumbling with it and it went off mm. and of course everybody hit the floor scared everybody to death and then somebody looked up and says spy shot the spinach <laughs> and he is still famous whenever you bring up his name with somebody who's a native they'll say spy shot the spinach his daddy had arranged the store very carefully and the canned goods were separated by content and he managed to hit the shelf that had the spinach, wiped out every can of spinach, threw spinach all over the store. <laughs> they say you could hear his daddy hollering all the way back in Murfreesboro. Uh, so, but his daddy said, you're no longer welcome in the store. Don't ever come into the store again. So Spy went back to school, got a teaching certificate from the teacher's college here. And... Uh, <clears throat> Went to work, and it turns out he was a comedian as well, did stand-up comedy. So he was a big hit over at Walter Hill School. He eventually was the principal of Walter Hill. And uh, uh, it came a point in his career where it was time to move on. He went to Alaska. I'll save the Alaska part of the story for some other time, but that's my Valentine's story, Spike Kerr. You know, you're making our taxes go up because Rob Mitchell is here. He's sitting here. He's been sitting here for 25 minutes, and uh, I can I can just imagine what my taxes. The pro, he's our property assessor, as everybody knows. Well, I was glad he was here because then I had somebody else to talk to for the yeah. I'm sure you are before it started, <laughs> but yeah, my guest. Rob Mitchell, our property assessor. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's the formal way to address a property assessor, Mr. Assessor. So just say good Just morning. say Rob. Yeah. <laughs> just, Mr. Hey, Rob. isn't that great? Our property assessor, Rob. 
I mean, I mean, how appropriate would that be? Oh, <laughs> you just now caught it. Look at him. I know. It never occurred to me. But from now on, you're Rob. Rob. He's. This is Rob. He's. Uh, I got it. I got it. No, I and we'll get to that. Yes. But we've been talking about cemeteries the last couple of times. Mm-hmm. And the, some, some of the issues involved, and we had a number of callers. Yeah. And the concern of most of them is not Evergreen Cemetery, although that's in flux too right now. But, uh, you know, the small private cemeteries, family cemeteries, or abandoned cemeteries around the area. Let me open with a question. Does the property assessor's office have any responsibility with respect to these, these cemeteries, Rob? Yes, we do. And how does that work? Um, the assessor's office in every county in Tennessee is required by law to locate and map and identify every known cemetery wow. in the county boundary. Well, have we been doing that uh, historically? Uh, as, as, as well as we can with limited resources. And we've done an extraordinary job. Uh, Davidson County, which everybody knows is is growing and is causing most of the growth in middle tennessee which has an extraordinary amount of uh of funding uh in davidson county they have only mapped and located 463 or 64 cemeteries sounds like a lot to me uh, we have 783 that we found so far wow Oh, and, and what kind of documentation if I wanted to look for one? Uh, there is a, a map layer on the county GIS website uh, that is, when we get a, a cemetery, we'll, we'll update that layer and put it on there. It's, it's in a state of flux right now. There's some things that we want to do to it to make it easier to search and easier for folks to find, but it is on the county GIS website. I think you can go to the Rutherford County um, main homepage, uh, look at GIS, and it should it should pop up on there as a historic cemetery site. Uh, John Lodel, the county archivist, has been getting calls from people that say, well, we have a cemetery, they'll send the information to him, um, and then he'll send that information over to our office if it comes in to him. It's, it's been something that uh, we need to develop a better process than we currently have uh, for maintaining it. Uh, I've been working with uh, the mayor's office and with several county commissioners and with several legislators. We, we hope to have that addressed. Um, well, there's one thing to locate them and put them on a map. Mm-hmm. But the questions and concerns we we hear frequently are, you know, the who who's maintaining, who's keeping it up? Is any is there anybody out there that can help us? If uh, you know, private citizens, property owners, want uh, to do something. Currently, right now, no. 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 Um, state law does allow for a a one-time uh, commitment from the county if the county says, well, we want to allocate money to go in and clean up the cemetery, they can do it on a, on kind of a one-off basis, and it takes a unanimous vote of the county commission hmm. to to accomplish that, which getting 21 <laughs> county commissioners to all vote unanimously to appropriate money and effort to fund any kind of project is, it's it can be, it can be a challenge. So, we're proposing that uh, uh, it's addressed in state law uh, that says that there is a, uh, with with the county historian and with the uh, historic cemetery committee, uh, the assessor shall locate and identify all uh, cemeteries inside of a county boundary. Uh, state law doesn't currently say who who appoints a cemetery committee? What are the duties of the cemetery committee? Right now, we don't have a historic cemetery committee. No, we don't. So, is there any way that we know the names of everybody in each cemetery? Because I had a one people who worked with me uh, years ago. She was trying to locate her grandfather, 
and she knew what the area that he came from, but not the cemetery. So I actually went out and I just combed that whole area where he was from. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, his name, I could see it from the car when I drove by. Oh, you're kidding. No. And and I've always wondered since then, you know, there's a, a lot of, well, everybody's special. And when you think about it, uh, that's one thing that that really kind of reaches out and grabs you because I'm one of these people that if I, if I go up into the mountain somewhere and I find these old, old uh, uh, places that, you know, everything's right on the ground, I'll actually walk through a cemetery and see the names and, and what year uh, that uh, they were born and when they passed away. Yeah, and and, and, and uh, that's that's a major part of history for me. It is. You well, think about it. That, that 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 that's really special. There are some resources. There is a volume, a large book, mm-hmm. uh, that was produced 50 years ago and still is our best reference because nothing has really been done since, where the historic society sent members out. And uh, uh, Susan Daniel and uh, uh, Kate Cates, mm-hmm. a couple of others, uh, several others. And as far as could be determined in the 1970s, they identified every grave. It's uh, amazing. Uh, I make reference to it often, and I believe it probably was the starting point for the mapping mm-hmm. you're talking it about. It was. Yeah, because it gives, in many cases, the, what do you call them, the coordinates to find right where you are and I know of several cemeteries that you can stand there at the cemetery and see nothing but it is in the book because 50 years ago there was still some evidence of who was there and yeah. and the dates and such as that but is there any prospect Rob that uh, we may get a county committee or uh, more of a focus on um, I, I'm I'm very confident that we probably will. Um, uh, Virgil Gammon, I uh, spoke with him this one weekend. Our, one of our commissioners. One of our commissioners. He came over to me and he said, this is important. I would I would like to carry a resolution. Um, he wants to speak with, uh, with, the, with the County Mayor Bill Ketron. Uh, County Mayor Bill Ketron is very supportive of it. Uh, he put me in touch with... Uh, Senator Shane Reeves in his office is looking into trying to find appropriate sections of code, Tennessee code, to open up so that we can we can connect all the various laws together so that they'll work in unison. Uh, and I think we will. I'm I'm very confident that we will. There's there's a passion. You know, we're all just two generations away from being nothing more than forgotten stones in a field. Uh, but that doesn't mean that. You know, a person's life doesn't have meaning. The story you told of Spiker. Mm-hmm. If you don't keep these people and stories alive, uh, we lose so much as a community. And with the amount of growth that we currently are experiencing coming in, the things that you knew, Truman, and you knew, Greg, from around here, they'll be gone if we don't do something to save them. And do something to maintain the character of who we are as a community. Uh, we've, we found an African-American cemetery over off of John Windrow Road, and uh, Graham Perry came down from the state, who works with the State Historic Commission for Cemeteries. Uh, he came down and toured it with uh, uh, Mary Watkins from the African-American Historic Society and with Carol Hughes from the tenants, from the, the local Rutherford County Historic Society. They knew of three graves up there. Yeah. They ended up being over 50. Mm-hmm. And the the old gentleman that was kind of keeping up the cemetery, he found his uncle's grave. He'd been looking for it for years. Wow. And they, they crossed a hill, and in all of this, this cedar thicket, here's all these graves. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's my uncle. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I never knew he was way over here, and then he, he went back to the car because he became very emotional about it because there were members of his family 
that he had that had been forgotten, not really forgotten, but lost. That they least. had been lost because there was no there was no record of where these people are and and who's there. Now, by law, any parcel, any cemetery over a quarter of an acre, it is the statutory duty of the assessor's office to create a separate parcel for that. The graves are owned by the heirs of those that are buried in it, not mm -hmm. by the property owner. That was, that was a lead question we get. Who does own the property that's a cemetery? It's well, you've got the graves, the grave sites themselves and the monuments are owned by the heirs. The surrounding land that's adjacent to it, and I believe you'll know better than this than, than I do, Greg, because it's that legalese stuff. Uh, I think there's a fifty fifty foot easement uh, to either or it's five or fifty foot or something like that is actually considered adjacent contiguous property because you have to have a certain amount of space to actually work the grave and maintain it and you may have a headstone or a footstone or a monument place there for a family marker so that's a tricky question who actually owns it because a lot of people think that they own it and they can do what they want to with it if there's a cemetery on your property you don't legally own it but you're legally responsible for maintaining it and a lot of people <laughs> don't want that authority because you are legally liable for it. If it's there, it's yours by state law. You must maintain it. If you don't, the state could technically take actions against you. I don't know if they ever would. But we need to have a process for people that may have a cemetery. Say, this is great. I want it here. I love cemeteries. But I don't want this obligation for the maintenance on it. I'd like to give it to the county, but the county doesn't currently have a process to accept it. So that's what we need to do. We need to change. We need to make sure that there is a legal way for the county to accept these properties and then have a process in place where a, a historic cemetery committee could then take responsibility for properly maintaining them and preserving them and interpreting who's there i mean wouldn't it be great to to know where you may know where spike is where spy is buried but have a site that you could go to and you'd know a little bit about the folks and their lives that are buried here that contributed to the richness of our community because everybody has a story and everybody's important now would you have to have a special part of, of your management to go to making sure that all of those cemeteries are being taken care of if that happens. Yeah, we'd have to establish, uh, and we have a protocol right now for it, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's one of many hats that, okay, you know, we've got all of this stuff that we have to do to produce values. Where can we fit this in? Yeah. Um, and it's something to be quite honest, you know, how we've managed to do it you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's a miracle that we've done as well as we have but it's just I'll, I'll say we have extraordinary people who work in the assessor's office and, and I am proud and I love every single one of them because mm -hmm. they go way above and beyond uh, with what they do and they have a passion for what they do and it's important to them that they do it well and they do it right and, and I don't, you know, the county has great employees. I can't say enough good things about the folks that, that do what people have to have done. You've done a great job there, Rob. You really have. No, we got a great group of people. Yeah. I've, yeah. Been, I've been blessed. I've been lucky to. I think I know to, just about every one of them. Yeah. You just don't well, come me, up enough to drink coffee with us. Yeah. yeah <laughs> let me take you back to the cemeteries a minute. You said it a certain size. Let's say someone has a half-acre cemetery in the midst of their farm. And you're saying that the your office is supposed to set that up as a separate parcel. Mm-hmm. And we do. Tax exempt? It's tax exempt. So it takes it out of the property that the property owner has. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, have we been doing that? Are those? Okay. We've been doing it. And what is the size again? That's quarter of an acre. Quarter of an acre. 
That's interesting. Wasn't aware of. And if you look on our tax maps, um, years ago the convention was since you didn't know the owner and the computer system required an owner to be placed in it, it was decided that courthouse or Rutherford County government would be listed as the owner of the property just for the system. You don't send out a tax bill, but the system requires that when you're going down through there, every fill, every field inside of the program has to be filled up or it won't advance to the next. So they just said, well, let's put courthouse as the owner and let's put courthouse, Rutherford County Courthouse as the mailing address. So in many cases, these cemeteries that we found locations to, but the heirs have moved on, um, they've they've died, they've been, you know, gee, I don't know where grandpa's grave is or great grandma's grave is. I, I know that there is a cemetery somewhere, but I don't know where it is. So they never came to visit it. They never cleaned it up. They, you know, so it became forgotten um, or abandoned. And then whoever's property it was on, it may have grown over. Um, well, if we know where it is, but we don't know who the owner is, the system will say Rutherford County. Mm -hmm. Rutherford County legally doesn't own it, but people assume that they own it. Uh, it's tax exempt, so it doesn't follow. Um, you can't sell it in a tax sale because there's no tax money on it. This, you know, so the state says, well, there's no tax dollars. Why do we want to spend a lot of effort on this? Because we're not we're not getting any tax tax dollars for it. So it, it kind of falls through the cracks. Um, that's how it happens. I'm not saying that it's right. Because cemeteries, you know, I'm passionate about those. I think they're important. I think they're important to the families. I think we deserve to do more. We can. It's not going to require that much greater effort on the well, part of the county to do it. In popular interest, genealogy is very important to a lot of people today, and a lot of time and money is spent on tracing things. And uh, I can see uh, a tour, even a tourist appeal. Families from out looking for their, their heritage, oh, their yeah? genealogy come in. So there's, there's some return to the county and making the information available. I think we have a caller. Probably, re probably reacting to the name Rob. <laughs> caller, welcome aboard. Good morning, Casey. What else? Hey, Casey. Yeah, I mean, it's just something about talk shows and WGNS. Seems like I thank God for it. That I'm the person that seems like you all hit a lot of stuff that I know about. Seems like you all talking about a graveyard. Okay, well, you all talking about two thirty one South. Uh, no, this was up. This one was up over off the of John Windrow Road, up in Eagleville. Eagle, okay. Well, you know, I'm thinking about what brought my attention. About oh God, it's probably about 15 years ago, maybe somewhere along there, maybe longer. Some church members, some friends of ours, we all got together. You know, when you leave from uptown and head towards Shelbyville. We found out, you know, it's a bridge right there. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right there. The Benevolent Cemetery. You all know the graveyard up under that bridge. Oh you yes. Know that? Called the Benevolent Cemetery. It made it made his name of it because years we yeah black. You know, we didn't know anything about primarily it. Primarily, the graves are black descendants. Okay, so we all went out there. A lot of us, we got together. Somebody got together. We all went out there one year and, and cleaned it off and everything. We didn't, you know, you just never know. We got together one year and cleaned it off and everything. You just, you just never know about stuff like that. You we enjoyed did. that, We went out there and cleaned it off. Yeah. Sure did. You just, you know, you just, just when people don't keep stuff going, because you know, nowadays, it don't take much for us to forget or don't do it and keep stuff going. Yeah, that's what right. We did. But since y'all bringing up stuff like that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this right here. I remember the year that the immigrants. I don't even like to use this word, 
But I remember the year they integrated the schools in Rutherford County. And we had to yeah. leave Bradley School, and we went to Critchlow. And thank God for this. I don't, I don't look at it, and my friends, we, we were lived on Poplar Street. Y'all know what it is? Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you this, and I'll tell it in a while. I don't look at him a great, I don't even like to use the word. Thank God that I was already friends to everybody on Walnut Street. Because we, we was already friends. But I remember yeah. the day our teacher told us, and they, they I know, you know, we, we can, you can tell when something is, they were, took, they were taking it, they were trying to talk to us in a way to let us know things were going to be different. And they told us that next year, you all won't be going to Bradley School any longer. And we didn't know what they were really talking about. And that's what it was. That was the first year they were immigrating schools. And, and I'm telling you, it was, it was, yeah. that was something. And yeah. we, but you know what? I thank God for this. We didn't, we didn't look at it as immigration because wall on the street, it dead ended. Y'all know where it dead end up the hill up there? The, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We was already friends to all of the guys over there. We grew up together. So we didn't need yeah. no immigration to become friends. I went to Critchelow. And guess what? I was, well, I don't even like to use the word, but I was one of the kids that went to Critchelow, and thank God we was already friends to all that. I was friends on wall the street. We didn't need yeah. integration. We was already loving but, one another. And I tell it anywhere. We went to school over there, and I tell y'all what, y'all know people that get excited about the Super Bowl, right? They hadn't won a, a no. football game, I think, in a few years. Mr. Roger Hedrick was our football coach. Don't y'all yeah. know Casey Clark was that first quarterback? <laughs> oh, watch out now. And Casey Clark was a quarterback at Critchlow School. And don't you know? I can see that. Oh, watch out now. I could throw yeah. I could throw I could throw a football. <laughs> I could be looking one way. Hey, the professionals haven't come up with this yet. I, I don't want to give my secret away. I could be looking left and throw a football right. When we were we I think it was I'm trying to think of what school it was. Mitchell Nielsen, I think it was. When we won yeah, the ball game guys. that day, yeah. you would have thought we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> they had they had they had won a ball. Critchlow had won a football game, I guess, in 10 years, 15 years old. They went, wow. And Those I was were good days, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was, was a tailback. We had a single wing. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I got a lot of things to look, look, be proud of. I ain't bragging. It's just you it's do. good to be a, a blessed person sometimes. Not all the time. That you can. We was already blessed. And we was already friends. Yeah. We didn't need immigration. Thank God you for that. Right. I can stand for yeah. that. Yeah. Thank God for that. We was already friends. All the Casey, friends we're going to miss you the, the next couple of months. Yes, sir. We, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always proud to say we didn't need immigration. We was already friends. We already loved one another. Y'all have a good day, Jim. You'll have, to, you'll have to call me after I retire, Casey. Appreciate it. You too. Got another phone call. Caller, welcome aboard with Rob Mitchell and Greg Tucker. Uh, good morning. Uh, I've got uh, a question about the cemeteries, and you're talking about those in the county. Uh, is there a law, like you're looking for uh, family members and it's on a farm, man? Is there a law where you, or do you have to check with the uh, owners to get to that graveyard before you walk on that property, or you, can you just go ahead and if you know where it is, it's gone. Is, is there a law for that? I, that's that's my question, let's, basically. Let's make it precise. I'm a property owner, and I got cattle in the pasture, and somebody comes up and wants to haul equipment across my pasture to get to a cemetery, and uh, you know, right where I'm raising my cattle, do I have to cooperate? 
Uh, yes, you do. How does that work? <laughs> I, I don't know how you have to cooperate, but state law says it. You, you can't prevent anyone from access, any family member from accessing your grave. All right, that's a good they have they have the right to visit the grave uh, by state by state statute. Uh, the state uh, historian um, who works at the Historic Society, Grant Perry, suggests that it's always best to cooperate with the owner of the property to to arrange appropriate times and to check with them. But they can't keep you from getting there. They legally have to let you access it. All right, let's take a break at that point. We'll come back to it. Okay. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Carly Henry, and I love Adam's Place. We do enjoy the book reviews, and we play cards a lot. Play hand and foot, and I've learned to play bridge since I've been here, and that's been a lot of fun, and we play billiards. I would encourage my friends to come to Adams Place because that Adams Place is the premier facility of this type, then it's a good choice. Need a break from the sound bites and the talking heads? Do you want information you can actually use? Information that'll change your life for the better? Then listen to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Del will show you how to retire in two to five years. Your age doesn't matter. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Walmsley Radio Show. The Dell Walmsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. This is Chuck Gandy with Gandy Seafood Company. This Valentine's Day, cook something special for your sweetheart, like stuffed lobster tail, bacon wrap, bourbon glaze, sea scallops, jumbo lump crab cakes, grouper or red snapper imperial. The Gandy Seafood Cajun Market, across from Sports Common Murfreesboro. Let Gandy Seafood help you make this Valentine's Day extra special. For orders, call 615-956-6590. That's 956-6590. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. Now more on Saturday morning's shooting in the parking lot at Habibi Hukaz Cafe on Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Warrants have been issued for Jamar Adams Marks. He is being charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, and three counts of aggravated assault, reckless endangerment, and possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. If you have information about Jamar Adams Marks, contact the Murfreesboro Police or the TBI. The shooting occurred around 2 o'clock Saturday morning. And 35-year-old Brandon Anderson of Murfreesboro was shot and killed while attempting to break up an argument in the parking lot of the Hookah Lounge. Again, if you know the whereabouts of 21-year-old Jamar Adams Marks, notify the authorities. He is now on the TBI's most wanted list. There was a unique ribbon-cutting Friday afternoon at Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. Stat Flight is a new air evac helicopter ambulance service offered by the hospital. The hospital's president and CEO, Gordon Ferguson, said, It is basically a mobile critical care unit. They've got everything in there that you would need to keep somebody stable and, until they get to the hospital. And congratulations to the Murfreesboro City Schools and Rutherford County Schools. Both were recognized in the prestigious 
best for all category here in the Volunteer State. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. At Bell Jewelers, we've got some great Valentine promotions. Just spend $99 or more, and you're going to get a gift card to Murfreesboro Flower Shop for free flowers, a gift card to Nurture Nook Spa for a spa treatment, candy, and buy one, get one free dinner at Five Senses or Steakhouse Five. This is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street right across the street from Toots Restaurant. Good neighbor weather! For this afternoon, we'll see plenty of sunshine, high temperatures near 51, and then clear later on tonight as lows stay into the middle 20s. I'm meteorologist Nick Carlisle on News Radio WGNS. Right now it's 24. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And we're back in Greg Tucker and Rob Mitchell, and we have another caller. Caller, welcome aboard. Good morning, Truman. How are you this morning? I'm terrific. How are you? Oh, pretty good, I guess, sir. Uh, I called in, I don't know, a couple of days ago, or whenever you were talking about the cemeteries, and it, uh, what about the, maybe Rob knows, about the unmarked uh, single or double graves that have no name? I mean, the people own the property, they buried their loved ones on the property. It had no name. What about these? Who takes care of them? I mean, who? I had, those are not identified. What about them? That's a good question. Uh, if, if we know a location, we have to mark it, even if we don't know the name. We have to mark it on a map. Unknown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if there is evidence that there's a grave there, that falls under our right. family cemetery. Right, falls under, and that would also include, uh, Truman was mentioning off the air, what about Native American burial sites? It actually includes those as well. I'm glad they do that, because we had problems back when I was with that sheriff's office, people would find those. Or maybe dig them up, and somebody would complain that what they had done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Caller, are you aware that there's some graves uh, on islands over on Percy Priest Lake? He, I believe he's gone. Yeah, yeah, tell us about that, because I wasn't aware. Uh, there's, uh, they're not in Rutherford County. I checked. I had a report come in, and um, I went and I checked on the map. They're on Davidson County side. But there are two islands uh, right on the border of Rutherford County and Davidson and Percy Priest uh, that have family burial sites on them. They were above the waterline. One of them is uh, a, a standing colonnaded mausoleum hmm. that's over on one of the islands. Now, unfortunately, you get folks on boats, people with, you know, they don't have the same respect for stuff like that. A lot of them have been have been damaged and they haven't uh, Davidson County hasn't done a, a great job of protecting them but mm. you know we need to do more and, w- yeah. and we can I know they moved quite a few graves when they were impounding the water for Percy Priest some of my family property had graves and uh, they were not our family but you know it was on the property and then uh, the, the, I guess it was TVA or Corps of Engineers probably came in and exhumed. I remember my cousin saying they moved a lot of dirt. Yeah. Because an old grave, you may not find anything identifiable, but technically it has to be moved. So. Yeah. Somebody told me there were about 2,000 
that they moved that right? to Mount Juliet, a cemetery in Mount Juliet. Interesting. I'm not sure where, but that's a lot. Well, let's see. While we were off the air, I also asked you uh, if someone wants to set up a family grave on property they own, are there uh, procedures they need to go through to do that? Well, uh, the first thing, if if they, if you're in a if you're hey, in a planet, let, let me tell the the caller just wait just a second until we get this answer. Sure. Then if you're in a plan, if you're in a planted subdivision, you can't. So if you're in a subdivision, you can't, you know, bury grandma in the backyard. But if you're in an area that is large enough that you're not in a planted subdivision, you're out in the county and you have a farm. You can certainly do that. There's nothing in state law that prohibits you from doing that. Uh, I would suggest that you probably have a surveyor, survey it off, plat it, and record that at the Register of Deeds office, uh, that it is a cemetery, and arrange something for the transfer of the ownership and the maintenance over time. That way, if you ever sell the farm or it's ever divided up, it's really clear that these folks don't own that cemetery, and there's a clear chain of title. Uh, that goes back with it. In the past, that was never done. It was just, well, this family's going to come out and do it. And because of that, you know, chain of title there with it, it's it, it gets problematic. And that's quite honestly why we have to really address that in state code so that there is a place for the perpetual care of these. So somebody can, because these are community assets. They're family assets, but more than that, the people that live in an area contribute to the history and the culture of that area. And it's I believe it's the community's responsibility if the families are no longer there or can no longer do it, to have a mechanism to help and protect. Well, everything the government does requires funding. Yep. And some of the things you're talking about doing, there's no funding available that I'm aware of right now. Some of these services might be funded. Uh, well, currently, state statute says that the county can appropriate funds uh, for a one-off for if they decide that they want to go and they want to clean up the benevolent cemetery, as an example. They could, by unanimous vote of the county commission, they could appropriate money to go in and clean it and maintain it once. And then any subsequent work that has to be done I'm reading it to, to to say that they'd have to go through that same process again. Um, you know, there's you can come up with ideas to fund just about anything. You know, I think if if maybe in a burial in the county, and I I don't know, I haven't fleshed this all out how it would work. If you you have a you know you live in Rutherford County and you're having a funeral service, some portion of that funeral service may contribute to a fund that would go to the county to help fund the, the maintenance of of the historic cemeteries. Um, you know, I'm opposed to, to fees, but someday, you know, everything costs money. Uh, it's just a natural, you know, every, it, it, takes, it takes funding to do just about anything because there's not a lot of people that will do things for free. Some of us like to do stuff for free, but eventually. Well, this new tax increase will take care of everything. Caller, welcome aboard <laughs> with Rob and Greg. Uh, yes, I had a comment about an old cemetery I wanted to speak about. Are you there? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <clears throat> this cemetery is in, I think it's just right over the line in Marshall County on Highway 99. And in, uh, it's a Stegall Cemetery. And uh, in 2020, uh, one of my young cousins got permission from the owner of the property for us to go in and clean up. And so we did. It's in the middle of a farm that was owned at the time by Stegalls, but not anymore. <coughs> Pardon me. Anyway, I've got a picture here that I took of one of the tombstones from Randolph Stegall, born 1766 or 67, wow. and passed away in 1853, around that time. And uh, my dad and Whitney built, a, put a fence around that cemetery because cows were, you know, going through and 
just they'll destroy everything after a while. But uh, this apparently there were other people buried there uh, with a few names on tombstones and another tombstone I've got a picture of here. Let me let's see Sam Dr. Samuel Stegall, March eighteen twenty nine and eighteen fifty two. And then there were a lot of little stones there with nothing on them that were probably children that were buried there but they're just it was just full of tombstones we cut out bodoc trees and bushes and just everything and cleaned it out that day but i don't think that cemetery is is on any of the books anywhere i'm, I'm not sure but anyway if you do get permission people normally are good about letting you come through and, and look and do whatever you need to do. And that's it. That's a great story, huh? It really is. Thank you for doing that. Are you a Stegall? Yes, yes. I'm a Burgess now, but I was a Stegall <laughs> in the beginning. Oh, well, good for you. I've known many of them. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Let me change the subject. Uh, when someone in the county says they're being robbed, they're probably not referring to the tax assessor's office. No. Well, then explain to us why we call this a reappraisal year. What does that mean? Um, by law, we're, we are charged with bringing the values for tax purposes to market value. Uh, and then that creates a base that there's a levy. Uh, the ta the, the the money that uh, the county uses to pay for their expenses and schools and roads and uh, everything that's needed is called a tax levy. Um, a reappraisal, a revaluation, equal. it's actually a revaluation and equalization. Well, now are we in some kind of calendar period now when yep. something's happening? Right. Once, once every four years, we'll, we'll bring it up. Um, we will adjust uh, everything to market it is revenue neutral the tax so what that what that means is it doesn't mean that your taxes will not go up when a revenue neutral rate is calculated because the county commission can always vote to exceed it uh, adopt it or lower it uh, it's totally up to the county commission um, what our office does is we take a snapshot of the market values of every property in the county uh, as what they are January 1st, 2022. And then we will send notices out there. We're in meetings with the state right now, making sure that our, our sales files are correct. We'll mail out at the uh, about the middle of April. We'll send out the new valuation notices. It'll, it'll come in everybody's mailbox. It'll say this is not a tax bill, but pay attention to it because that's what your new value is going to be. Your your property is most likely going to be worth more now than it was in 2018. So, I mean, that's your values going up. Yeah, that's a component of your property taxes. But the property tax has two components. It has the value of the property, and then it has the tax rate that is determined by the county commission uh, to pay for county expenses. So I uh, told somebody this weekend, I said, if, if your home is worth a million dollars, but the county doesn't want to spend anything, the tax rate is zero. So your property tax that you will be charged is zero. So the market value is simply the reflection of what your property is worth on the market uh, for tax purposes. You might be able to sell it for more or you may be able to sell it for less. Uh, we just determined that the, the market says that this, this property of yours located where it is and the condition it is would most probably bring this amount of money on the open market if somebody were to sell it and somebody were to buy it. Is there any rule or law regarding the tax rate immediately following your reappraisal year? Uh, that's the revenue neutral rate that our office with the state uh, and the county commission 
adopts uh, will will produce a revenue neutral rate. Uh, revenue neutral means the same as last year. Right. It'll be exactly the, the the tax levy cannot exceed. Well, it can exceed, but the rate, uh, the truth in taxation law says that a rate will be calculated that will deliver the same levy as it did the prior year on existing properties, so that there's not a windfall gained. The county's going to needs more money, so this is what people will people are led to believe. The county wants more money, so they're going to raise my value so they can get more money to pay things. That is not correct. It is popular to say that, but is actually factually not correct. What is what is accurate and factual is that the tax levy will be exactly the same in mass for all property as it was the prior year on property that was existing. That does not mean that an individual's property as a component of that levy will not change. It may go up, it may go down, it may stay the same. Well, the neutral levy, as you call it, is based on the average across the county. Right, based on yeah. the median value. Yeah, so if you happen to be at the median, you're not going to see any change. That's right. But if you're above it or below it, you may well be affected. Right. But it's exploding right now, as we all know. So what's going to happen five or six years from now as the property value can... Because I'm, I'm sure that's going to be one of the elements of how you're, you're appraising the properties. Because I've seen it double and triple in oh, a yeah. lot of ways. As the people move in here and they have the funds to buy those properties, which is much more than what we have right now, uh, will that eventually affect the, uh, the taxes? And, and, and I, I'm sure this is a smart guesswork by you, but w will that generate taxes in the future much more than what we have right now? You know, that's, that's a good question. Your base will be higher. Yeah. It's, I mean, the base is what the base is. Mm -hmm. And the reason that taxes go up is because more people require more service. Yeah. You have to build more schools if more people come in. You have to widen and build more roads. You have to put more infrastructure in. You have to hire. Will that help? Um, we, we're usually a year behind in having enough money generated by growth. I, and I'm sure it's probably still that way. Will, will, will that be able to catch us up a little bit more? Um, it's like buying things on a credit card. Mm -hmm. I did the calculations about two years ago on how much it would, uh, for building a new school. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you build a new school and you spend you're going to have 2,000 students in it. Mm -hmm. And you can calculate back to how many homes, new and hiring homes. hiring much more teachers. Right. How many yeah. new homes are going just to building the building. Yeah. And knowing that there's a certain portion of the property taxes that are a component that are used just for, by statute, funding of schools. Mm -hmm. It will take 40 years for the taxes, if you put enough homes to fill up a high school in new growth, mm -hmm. for the property taxes to pay off and have it amortized out, it will take 40 years for the property taxes generated on those homes to pay off the debt for that yeah. school. Yeah. Which means a later generation is going to end up paying a good portion of it. That's right. Well, let me ask you, if in April I get a notice from you that you've reappraised my property market value and I don't agree with it, do I have any options? Sure. You call our office. We'll, first thing we'll do is we'll verify the address. We'll verify that you're the owner of it. We'll, you'll say, this is what we have. We have that you've got, you know, a 2,000-square-foot home. And you may say, well, you know, no, my home's actually 1,800 square feet. Okay, well, we can make an adjustment on the card because our goal is to get it right. We'll send somebody out to remeasure it with you. You know, it's, oh, no, 
My upstairs is finished over here. Okay. Well, we thought it was finished because you have curtains up there and you have two heat units. So we thought you probably finished it. All right. This kind of negotiations within the discretion of your office, your personnel. Right. And then if you still don't agree, then we, in, starting the first Monday in June, you can come to the County Board of Equalization. You can present your, your information to an appointed board uh, that's appointed by the County Commission. Um, and the largest city, which is city of Murfreesboro, they have two appointments. And you say, this is my home, uh, this is what I have, and I don't believe it's worth this. And they'll take a look at the information, they'll take a look at the market, and they have the authority and the power to say, no, uh, you're wrong. We believe that the it's an accurate representation. They can say, we believe you're right, and we think it should be lowered. Or they can actually say, now I've never seen it done, but they have the authority to do that, say, no, we think you both have it wrong and it's worth more, and the county board has the authority to raise the value on it. Wow. Uh, let's be sure the listener understands that uh, if they come in before the board, there's a presumption that the work of your office is correct. Right. So they need to bring in evidence to the contrary if they want to really get an adjustment. Right. I think uh, some just want to come in and say, you're hurting me. You know, I need some relief. Well, there's got to be something more. Right. And, and the unique thing about this time of year, when they come in, they're coming in to appeal a value when the tax rate hasn't even been set yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what the revenue neutral rate is or if the county commission or the city is going to go lower than that so they're making an assumption that in most folks come in and say my taxes are too high well I, I, I wouldn't disagree I think my taxes are too high too but is the value on the property correct and rep, you know representational of the market if your taxes are too high, the call to make is to your county commissioner, your city council person, uh, your mayor or chief executive of your local jurisdiction, mm -hmm. because those are the folks that are actually levying the tax and setting the tax rate. Yeah. All right. We've got another caller on the show. Caller, welcome aboard. Good morning, gentlemen. I called earlier. Uh, what you're talking about taxes, uh, I would like to see, and I know they have for senior citizens the freeze. you got to do that every year. I know all about that. Mm -hmm. I would like to see either the state that changed the law or the county commission or both have a law in there when they appraise a home as a senior citizen that lives there, not raise their taxes. I, I understand what you're saying about all this other stuff. The, the reason I'm saying it is that the schools, we keep building schools. I don't have any kids in my in the schools. I did it earlier on in life. My point is maybe a, maybe a, wa a waiver on the senior citizens on and taking that extra money for the schools and, and charge the people that buy new homes that have children, charge them extra. I know that's probably illegal, but that's, that's a comment I've got here. Uh, my taxes, I remember when I purchased my house in 90, it was 780. Now it's over a thousand, about $1,200 a year. So that's how much increase I've had. And of course I've done some improvements and stuff, but not that much. So anyway, that's that's my comment. And I, I appreciate everything y'all talk about. I'm, I'm learning a lot from y'all's uh, <laughs> show today. Thanks a lot, guys. We, pr we appreciate you. Call me, call me at my office anytime you want to talk, and I'll buy you some coffee. He'll give, you a, he'll give you a quarter so you can go to his machine. Oh, no, we don't even have to do that now. Oh, you got a bypass? Oh, no, it's free. It's just free. I'm just paying for it out of my pocket. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know, I'll be over there in the morning. <laughs> uh, I, I wish you would. Come on by. He raises, our caller raises a valid point. And yeah. development and growth generates more money. Yeah. But for the senior who's on fixed income, 
and is not getting directly benefited from the growth and development. They're the ones that carry the burden frequently. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess that's the way life works because that's going to happen. Well, we're, I mean, we're over with. We're done. I'll see you next Monday for our grand finale. Thank okay. you, Rob. Truman. Thank, and, thank you and for Rob, I will wanna... see you at Kittrell this coming Saturday. Uh, Greg and I will make our normal trip over there, and I, I think we'll we'll have a good time. I'm It'll looking forward to it. I've I've missed their ham breakfast. Oh gosh, yes, that ham is unbelievable. It is never had any better. Mm -mm. And and they do such a remarkable job taking care of all of our homes over there. So everybody and and you know the funny thing about it is every one of the fire departments and, and the other locations, they all come and support each other, which I, I, th I find that fascinating. I, th I think it's great. Uh, our volunteer fire system yeah. is, is, is underappreciated. Yes, very much so. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.